everybody, I'm your host, Dr. Ann James from DrAnnJames.com, and I present to you the Freedom Battle Buddies of Color podcast. This podcast highlights and gives voice to the remarkable experiences and expertise of women of color who are currently serving or have served in any branch of the military. I believe that these inspirational stories of triumph and trial will help other women in the military and veteran communities successfully navigate their own freedom journey. You see, my definition of freedom is when you embrace the mindset of doing what you want, when you want, without ever worrying about money. Listen in as we chatted up about everything freedom. I'm talking about financial freedom, lifestyle freedom, and everything in between. Before we jump in, go ahead and hit the subscribe button to make sure you never miss a future episode. So with that, let's get to it. Hi there, it's your host, Dr. Ann, and it's my pleasure to introduce today's guest, Marcia Villavincencio. After her mom lovingly presented her the option of going to college or joining the military after high school, Marcia found herself as the first person in her family to join the military after enlisting in the Navy. As she progressed through the ranks, Marcia rose to each and every occasion as she often found herself in male-dominated occupations. While still serving in the Navy Reserve, Marcia followed her passion of living a free and healthy lifestyle and went on to earn her certification as a fitness and mindset coach. Now, as part of her fitness brand, We Be Fit, Marcia helps women regain a good relationship with food and teaches them how to incorporate fitness into their lifestyle so that they can become more confident in who they are and feel sexy and powerful in their own skin. So with that, let's get to it with my girl, Marcia Villavincencio. Welcome to the show, Marcia. How are you today? Good. How are you? Thanks for having me. (laughs) Thank you for your support and agreeing to be here today. And I know that the listeners are going to get some good nuggets from you concerning wellness and fitness and your mindset and stuff like that. But before we jump into your unique experiences as a woman veteran of color, I like to ask my guests a question that's near and dear to my heart. I have my own definition, but I like to hear everybody else's definition. How would you define freedom? What does freedom mean to you? Freedom to me, it's like being able to be your true self in front of others, being able to speak, being able to be who you are, not having to hide anything about yourself, just being free. Just being free. I love it. Being your authentic self, no matter who's around. So if someone is struggling with that concept of being authentic, what would you say to them like a tip or just something to help them to be their true selves? I always tell my clients whenever I'm training and I'm like, there's no one like you in this world. You are the only you that will ever be. So why not be yourself? (laughs) That's very true. Right. God created us how he created us. So why sit around comparing, wishing we had somebody else's life? We only have the life that we have. So we might as well make the best of it and be the best representation of it. Like you said, no matter who's around authentic. So that's good. I like that. That's definitely a great definition of freedom. So (laughs) jumping right in. So out of all the things that you could have done, why did you decide to join the military? Well, actually, at the beginning, it wasn't my decision. It was my mom's. (laughs) Oh, wow. Okay. (laughs) Yes. So my mom 
gave me two choices after high school. She's like, either you join the military or you go off to college, but you're not going to go to college here because I'm from Miami. You're not going to go to college in Miami. You'll have to go somewhere else and figure it out on your own. And I think she did it on purpose because I was like, oh my God, no, I'm like 18, 19 years old. I'm like, I have no idea. I don't even know how to do laundry. This is crazy. (laughs) I was like, I am going to be so lost. I was like, I'm just going to join the military and we'll see what happens. And that's what happened. (laughs) Wow. That's some tough love right there. Mom said, you got to get up out of here. Either you got to go to school. You ain't going to stay here and go. No. (laughs) You got to go in the military. Are you from a military family? No, not at all. I am the first one who joined. And then my sister joined after I did. But yeah, I was the first. I think she's very tricky, my mom. So (laughs) I I think she was like, if I tell her this, she's going to get scared. So she's just going to go and join the military. So, yeah. That that (laughs) is so funny. It's like the opposite of my experience. One of the reasons why I joined the military was to get money for college and to travel. But it was more so also to get away from my mother. Right, like, <laughs> yeah, that's it. Push me, I was running. Right, <laughs> where your mom was got to pushing you out. Where me, I'm like, no, I'm out of here because I wanted that freedom. I wanted to do what I wanted to do and not mm-hmm. live under anybody's rules and stuff like that. So I was like. My brother was in the military at the time. So I went to visit him and saw how he was living and stuff like that. And my stepfather, previously, he was in the army. So I knew I wasn't going to do army. Uh, (laughs) uh, I followed in my brother's footsteps and joined the Air Force. So it's just so funny how we have different reasons Mm-hmm. Why we joined, whether it was voluntary or in your case, kind of involuntary. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was kind of thrown to the wolves thing. That's how I feel. <laughs> yeah, but with that decision, do you regret it at all? No, I don't regret it at all. I think it was probably the best decision that I could have made at such a young age. I think I wanted to go to college really badly. Then mom was like, well, if you join the military, then you can go to college for free. So why not give it a chance? And she's like, you're strong. You can do this. Total support. (laughs) So I was like, all right, here we go. Wow. And share with the audience, what branch were you in again? Navy. Navy. Okay. Yes. How was that Navy life for a young woman? Like you said, 18, 19 years old. What was that like for you? At the beginning, it was rough because when I joined, I wanted to be a reporter. So they have like mass communication specialists in the Navy. And at the time, I think they were called just journalists. So that's what I wanted to do. I was like, oh, I just want to be a journalist. And they didn't have any billets, any jobs openings for that type of rate. So they told me, ah, you should just join like undesignated, which means like you don't really have a designated job. You kind of pick it when you get there. Oh, Lord. I believed my recruiter and I said, all right, let's go. <laughs> and next thing I know, I get to the ship and I'm like sweeping decks and painting and crying. And oh, my God, what is this? It was rough. Like the first year and a half, it was rough. I was like, this is no what I signed up for. Like, this is no what I want to do I was like I need to pick a rate that I want to do and that I need to get out of here like I was like I can't do this deck job forever 
So it was a tough wake up call when I got there. But through deck, I have friends still to this day that I talk to. Those are the people that I actually talk to the most, which is crazy because I think everybody was struggling so much that we became like a family. So. Oh, wow. That's good. Yeah, that's one thing that the military does is bring people together from different walks of life. And when you're away mm-hmm. from your blood relatives, you really create your own sense of family. We're such a small part of everything. So that sense of family is key. Yes. I definitely understand. It makes the rough situation better. Yeah. It's those lifelong <laughs> friendships, right? Like years later. Yes. Talking to these people that you met mm-hmm. earlier in your life. So that is that that's great. So would you say that as you were serving in the Navy, that being a woman of color had an impact on the jobs that you received? Did you have any challenges or successes based on one, not just being a woman, but being a woman of color? Do you think that had any type of impact on your service? For me personally, not. Mostly it was just being a woman because I was in deck and then I chose to be a gunner <laughs> as my first wow. like actual job. And I think that's when people kind of doubted me. They were like, you're so girly. Like, how are you going to be a gunner's <laughs> mate? You would be the only gunner's mate female on this ship because there was nothing but males. There were gunner's mates. But I had a really good chief and he really liked me. He totally supported the decision and he was like yeah no we can totally tell that you can do this job so if you really want it we'll welcome you with open arms so I took the test and next thing I know I'm a gunner's mate a third class petty officer and in a room full of guys but I was so used to it I didn't care there were certain things that were a challenge obviously certain guns like I couldn't carry or I couldn't rack the 50 cal at the beginning. It was really hard. And my chief told me, either you get it and you do it or you're off the gun. And for me, that was like a challenge. And I told him, no, I'm going to get it because this is going to be my gun. <laughs> I don't care how big it is. I'm going to do it. And I ended up doing it. And that was my gun for like a whole deployment. So being a woman, being a small girl and being girly was definitely seen as she's so different. She's not the same typical chick that comes in the military. She's so tough. She's completely different. I carry my Hello Kitty paper around with me. There's pink. I would do my boards with my Hello Kitty paper with me. And people, they were like, you're crazy. Like, how are you going to? I was like, I don't care. I was like, this is who I am. I was like, you're not going to strip away who I am, even though I am in the military. Mm. So I always stayed true to who I was, even though I was very girly and still am. I could also prove that I was very tough and I could do the job. Wow. I love that when you say you're not going to strip away who I am (laughs) just because I'm in the military. And you find that, or I've heard a lot of stories where where you're in these male-dominated fields like yourself as a gunner, where that's all you see is men, where I was fortunate, whereas I worked in finance or human resources. And I guess those are those (laughs) typical women-type jobs. But you hear those horror stories of women being in those male-dominated fields that have to deal with challenges, not just, like you said, the physical challenges of doing the job, but also because you're a woman dealing with unwelcome advances or 
dirty jokes, that type stuff that comes into play. But it sounds like you fit in just fine or you made yourself fit in fine. You didn't experience anything like that. Thankfully, I still talked to some of the guys from my first ship. And they were like, you will always be a gunner to us. (laughs) Yeah. That's so awesome. How long did you serve in the Navy? So I was active duty for four and a half years. And then I joined the reserves right after because I wanted to go to college. That was the whole point of me joining. My plan was to do four years, get out and go to college. But I stayed in the reserve because I didn't want to lose my ID at the beginning. I was like, oh my God, I'm not going to be able to come on base and hang out with my friends. And I was like, use the gym. I was like, I can't lose my ID. That would suck. (laughs) So I was like, no, I'm going to join the reserve and see how this plays out. I wasn't sure that I wanted to be all the way out. And Mm. it was like my safety net in a way. Like, okay, if I stay in the reserve, if something happens, if things don't go as planned, I can always come back. Wow. That's when I got more like a desk job. I became a yeoman, which is an administrative person. They gave me choices. They're like, well, we don't have any gunner's mates in the reserve right now, like open billets for you. So you have to choose a different rate. And I was like, oh, no, my gun, how are you going to take it away from me? <laughs> and they had yeoman and I was like, well, OK, I'll take this one. You know, I, I did the hard guyish job while I was in. Maybe I can do something else now that I'm in the reserve and ended up working out just fine. <laughs> Awesome. Wow. So you definitely had a unique transition where some people, once they serve their time, whether it's four years, eight years or 20 years like myself, get out and become a civilian. But you weren't ready quite yet to give up that military lifestyle. Like you said, the gym, those benefits, the ID card, that type stuff. It was already Kind of ingrained in you, even yes. though you, know, you didn't strip away <laughs> your authenticity of being yourself, but it was still kind of ingrained in you. So how was that like being on the other side, going from the enlisted? Were you enlisted when you were in the reserves? Yeah, so I went from being undesignated then to gunner's mate to yeoman. And then just last year, I commissioned. So, yeah, I became a yeoman. I was a second class. I had to learn pretty much everything about like paperwork and how to write correspondence. And it was a completely different job. And as a reservist, you don't get that much hands on because it's only one week in a month, two weeks a year. And I was in college, so I couldn't do extended active duty times because I just didn't have time. I told him, I was like, this is what I can do right now. And I will learn as much as I can, but I cannot do more than like two to three weeks of active duty at a time because I'm in college. I have to finish my degree. And that was fine. And once I was done with college and I got a certificate in fitness after a while, I went back active duty for about a year as a yeoman. And that's what I learned. Like I really learned (laughs) how to do the job. I just interviewed with this chief and she really liked my personality. And full disclosure, I told her I was a reservist. I hadn't done any active duty since I had joined the reserve. So I knew some of the yeoman work, but I wasn't 100% knowledgeable in everything, but I was very willing to learn and very willing to just do the job. And I told her I'm a very fast learner and our personalities just clicked. So she was like, all right, you got the job. You're going to be activated and come work here. So I did it for a whole year. And that's when I really like (laughs) learned everything on the fly pretty much. Wow. Well, congratulations on your commission. Did you go through ROTC? 
No, I'm a limited duty officer. Basically, since I was a yeoman, now I'm an admin officer. So admin work, but as an officer, so like more in a management position. So I haven't been to school due to COVID. I have to go to the LDO Academy. I'm scheduled mm-hmm. to go next year, but I'm already working as an officer. I'm already commissioned. So the responsibilities now are super duper high. The jump was crazy from being an E6 to being an officer right away. I didn't even go through season. I was not a chief. I just became an officer from being an E6 to an officer. So my whole world was turned upside down when this happened. But I mean, it's been fun. (laughs) Yeah, no, I definitely understand because I've experienced the same thing. I went in, enlisted, climbed up the ranks in the Air Force, got to E6. And I decided, well, got to like the 10 year mark. I'm like, okay, if I'm going to stay in, I might as well make the most of it. Because prior to that, I wanted to get out. I was a single parent. I didn't like my supervisor. I didn't like the base. I just wanted to get out. But once I decided to stay in, I was like, I'm going to make the most of this situation. So then I applied for a special program at that time, earned my commission through ROTC and University Southern Mississippi. <laughs> but yeah, it is different, right? I mean, yeah. That's what I would tell them, though. I'm not your average lieutenant. That's what I say. <laughs> yeah, 12 years. Don't let these butter bars fool you. I'm not your average lieutenant. They could tell those that had enlisted experience or just like an officer or second lieutenant, someone coming straight out of college mm-hmm. or coming straight into the military. They could tell the difference. So what was that like for you? You said it was hard at first, that transition, because I know a lot of people have asked me the question, and what is it like going from enlisted to the officer side? How different was it? That type of stuff. So what was that like for you? I've only been an officer. I'm still in it. (laughs) I've only been an officer for a year. So I'm a baby still in the officer world. But right off the bat, I think my I have a new commanding officer. And at the beginning, he was kind of like, okay, she's new in this officer side. So we'll see how she does. But they've been giving me a lot of things to do (laughs) as a management position and supervising things. And he's noticed that I can do the job and that I'm not scared to task people and I'm not scared to ask for help. And that I'm very vocal about the things that need to be done. I believe that he likes that. So he's being given me more and more responsibility, which is good. And I'm still like kind of getting used to it because it's definitely a very different. I went all the way from being an E6 to just put an officer. I didn't even go to school. So it was like one day I was in E6 and next day I was an O1. And people are calling me ma'am and saluting me. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is so weird. This is so weird. You just hung out with them last week. And now I you know. can't hang out with them. You can't call them by their first name. And now you're ma'am. You can't go over to their house. All that type stuff. Yeah, that yes. was the hardest part for me. It's different. You know, so one day you're friends and the next day they work for you or they're mm-hmm. in your chain of command. And now you outrank them and stuff like that. And some people may have had a problem with it, but... It was what it was, but that was the hardest part for me. It was just different on the officer's side. On the enlisted side, we're much tighter. We hang out together, do things together, whereas yes. most the majority of them are married and have kids. And here I was, I had a kid, but I wasn't married. So <laughs> I'm used to the NCO club, not the officer's club. Yeah, <laughs> It was really different, but I adjusted enough. But yeah, they had their hands full with me because it was like, Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think now that I've been in the officer's side for a year, now the other officers 
they kind of come to me more than other people, which is great. Yeah. They're like, how are you doing? How are things? It's different. Yeah. But you know a lot. So we're going to have to come to you for things. Yeah. And I'm fine with it. It's completely fine with wow. me to have this much responsibility. It's definitely different. And the world is a completely different story. But I think the enlisted people also see me a little different because since they know I was enlisted, so my communication with them is a lot more open. They talk to me a lot. They're respectful, but they know they can talk to me like a different tone than they would talk to a regular officer that they've never met before, like as an enlisted person. And usually if I go to a command as an officer, which happened to me last year when I had to do my two weeks of active duty training as an officer, my first time ever, they put me as the officer in charge for all the reserve personnel. And I'm like, oh my God, I just put in these bars. Like, (laughs) I was like, like, all right, I guess this is it. And then people were like, ma'am, ma'am. And then I'm like, oh, I used to be enlisted. I was like, I actually just put on this bar. So I was like, I don't know everything. And I'm going to tell you guys that I don't know everything. I'm very transparent. So if I have a question, I'm going to ask. I have no problem asking. So they're like, oh, okay, okay, that's cool. And so they treated me a little differently, which was nice. <laughs> oh, that's so awesome. Yeah, they know. They know. They know. It makes yeah. a difference. So that's great. So I know earlier you mentioned, in addition to, I mean, you're one busy person. Not only are you still in the reserve as a commission officer, another passion of yours is working with individuals with their fitness and their mindset. And I know that's a big part of the military, being physically fit and even more so mentally fit to do your duties. So just explain to us why is fitness and mindset so important to you now? I've always been into fitness since I was like little. I would run like half marathons. I think since I was like 13 years old, I started running and running became my passion. And then as I got older, then I discovered weightlifting and bodybuilding and powerlifting and all the different challenges, like fitness challenges that are out there. I just kind of threw myself to do them. So it's always been a part of me. Like I love fitness. I think running just clears my mind. Lifting weights makes me stronger. And I wanted to teach this to other women, especially like you don't have to be a treadmill bunny. You don't have to run for a hundred miles a day to be fit. You don't have to diet like to like a thousand calories to be able to feel good about yourself. Like this is not what fitness is. Fitness is different. And everybody looks different and everybody, you can't compare a runner to a bodybuilder, for example. They have completely different bodies. Doesn't mean that one of her is more fit than the other. I think they're both fit, but they look different. Yeah. But you can't compare a bodybuilder to a powerlifter. Their bodies are completely different or a sprinter to a long distance runner. So all that, it's so different in each woman. Like your body's different. Your mentality is different. Things that you like to do are not going to be the same things that maybe your friend likes to do. Mm. So fitness isn't one size fits all. And nutrition is very important because you eat carbs for energy, you eat protein for your muscles and fats for your cells and everything else. I teach women that being fit isn't just about a body type or how you look, but it's also a mindset. It's mm. like a lifestyle, a way you live your life. You shouldn't feel that fitness is a burden to you. It should feel like you're adding to your life. You're adding something good to it. It should be part of your lifestyle. It shouldn't be a 12, eight week 
thing that you do and then you fall off because, well, it's over. No, you still incorporate it into your life. So I help women stop yo-yo dieting, get their nutrition right, and incorporate fitness and workouts into their lives so they can become more confident, feel sexier, like feel better in their own bodies. Yeah. Oh, wow. That is so good. Like when you mentioned that it has to be a lifestyle, not yes. something that you do, right? To just reach an end result and then you stop and that type of stuff. It has to be a lifestyle. But also, as you mentioned, it starts in your mind, how you think about things. How do you think about fitness and that everybody is different? And of course, your journey is going to be different. Mm-hmm. So it's not cookie cutter. And I like to say, and I know when you and I first communicate, I think health is wealth. I'm a financial coach and I talk about the money side of things. But before we focus on the money, I also start with the mindset. Because yeah. it's really about that behavior change to make it a part of your life. Yeah, you can get out of debt, but can you stay out? Yes, the same right? thing. You can lose some pounds, but are you going to keep them off? Exactly. <laughs> so mm-hmm. You lose five pounds, but are they going to stay off? Or are you going to gain back 10 Yeah. Right. So it's definitely about that. Like you said, that mindset change and that lifestyle that is key to behavior change at the end of the day. That's what it's about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's what I instill in my clients. We start very slow. We count macros so they can learn what food looks like on a plate. We do workouts that they actually like to do. I'm like, you don't have to be at a gym. If you want to work out from home, work out from home. And then once a week, I want you to do something that you really like that's active. So whenever we're done with a program, it's something that you will take with you forever. Like you will always know how portions look like on a plate. You'll always know that, hey, I can go hiking today because this is what I like to do for my workout. You'll learn what to do for certain muscle parts, which is something. So it's like a learning experience. Like with me, it's never just about I'm going to give you this and you're going to do it and then we're done. No, we're going to talk about it. We're going to see how your body feels, how you feel what kind of food you're getting into your body, things that you like to do. And if you have a party on the weekend, if you have a birthday, I don't ever want to feel my clients that they can't eat something. I tell them it's one day, you're going to put five, 10 pounds in one day. It's not going to come off in one day either. So if you have a cookie, if you have a chocolate, if you have a day that, hey, I just want to go have fun with my friends and we're going to eat, that's fine. Because fitness should be a part of your lifestyle, shouldn't be taken away from your lifestyle. Right. I totally get it. I totally understand. So if there was one person out there listening that, like you said, they've been on this yo-yo dieting, they've been up, they've been down, they've tried. What's one piece, granted, like you said, I know everybody's body is different. Everything is different. Mm -hmm. There has to be like one tip that would apply to everyone, I think. So what is one tip where someone could start their journey that you would give them? I think for workouts to find something that they enjoy doing. I think if you enjoy doing it, it doesn't feel like you have to do it. It feels like you get to do it. So if you like to go for walks, make sure you schedule your time for those walks. If you like to go for a run, make sure you schedule those running times in your schedule. If you like to just go lifting weights, get a coach to teach you. If you want to learn, get a coach to teach you or go on YouTube and learn. You have to be willing to do the things that you like to do, to prioritize them and make sure they fall into your schedule. Yes, that's two great points, right? You gave me two, so thank you. (laughs) 
I, I totally agree. You want to start, you're talking about exercising, start with something that you love. Mm-hmm. So it don't seem like you say you have to do like, I love to do Zumba. So it's yeah. like, <laughs> if I can Zumba all day, because I think it's dancing, going to the club. But if you're telling me, oh, I got to go lift weights for 30 minutes, then I might not do it. So with that, and another thing that you mentioned too, that I agree with is prioritizing. You have to put it in your schedule. Yes. You know, treat it That's like an appointment, make thing. time for it, <laughs> not find the time, treat it like just any type of appointment. So like on my calendar, on my phone, I have it. I'm going to work out mm-hmm. this time to this time, that type stuff. And also try your best to stick with it. <laughs> Life happens, stuff comes up, but you can't make it a habit of not showing up for yourself. Yes. Just like you would show up for other things. So those are definitely some great pointers that... Yeah, everybody should heed to just find something you like and start small. It don't have to be an hour at a time, five minutes. And it's so funny, the power of what I call going tiny. I recently read this book called Tiny Habits. (laughs) And we just encourage you to pick out the smallest little thing that you can do that can change and focus on that behavior, not the results. So for the last, I started it 45 days ago and my tiny habit was putting on my shoes. (laughs) Nice. Not the exercise, just putting on my shoes. So if I did that, I was like, okay, I met my goal. But what I found was once I had on my shoes, I might as well work out. Yes. And I've done it every day since. That's good. Yeah, no, that's totally true. And the same thing I always say for nutrition, instead of thinking about taking away, think about adding. Mm. So you're not taking away the food that you like, but you're adding on to it. So you're adding more vegetables instead of whole eggs. You're adding egg whites into your meal. You're adding lean protein. So as Mm. you start adding things, eventually some of those things that are not the greatest for your body will fall off your regular diet because you'll be adding more things that actually keep you fuller longer, that actually satisfy your body. So think about adding, you're adding vegetables, you're adding a little bit more protein, you're adding like almonds into your diet. So you're adding things instead of taking away. Yeah, great point. It goes back, like you said, to that mindset. It's a change of mindset. Instead of thinking, oh, I can't have this. I can't have that. You need to think, okay, well, what can I have? I'm adding this to my life to make me feel better, to get me to that behavior that I want to see and ultimately the end result. So it really does start with that, your mindset. So if anyone in my audience wants to contact you or find out more about the services that you offer, what's the best way of them getting a hold of you? You guys can find me on Instagram. It's called at we that be that fit at we be fit <laughs> at we be fit. Awesome. I love that name. I, I, we, I love we. That. we're doing it together, yes. right? I love that. Before I let you go, there's one last question that I like to ask. In addition to freedom being important to me, there's another term that you may be familiar with. It's called battle buddies in the military. (laughs) That's so important. And not just in the military, even in the civilian sector, the idea of having a battle buddy. So to you, when you hear the term battle buddy, what does that mean to you? Someone that's there for you, that supports you, that cheers you on. And that calls you out when something it's wrong at the same time. 
someone that's going to be truthful and honest and that person that you can always count on. I totally agree. So with that, I give everyone an opportunity to give one of their battle buddies a shout out. So why don't you do that, Marcia? Take a minute and shout out one of your battle buddies. My battle buddy is my wife. Okay. <laughs> Her name is Brittany. Hey, and <laughs> Yeah, we do everything together. She is into lifting too. And we talk to each other like all day long. <laughs> awesome. So yes, that is my battle buddy. All right, Brittany. Hey, girl, hey. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much, Marcia. So once again, thank you for joining us on the show today. Like I said, I know my audience is going to love the tips that you gave about fitness and just hearing your journey, man, from where you started from, your mom kicking you out, going <laughs> in the Navy and then ending up as an officer, earning your commission. So you have done great things. And I just want to thank you and I wish you much success going forward. Thank you so much for having me. It was so much fun. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, girl. So there you have it, everybody. Thank you for listening to another remarkable episode. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, leave a review, and make sure you spread the word about the podcast to your battle buddies. To learn more, please jump over to www.drannjames.com. Thanks again for spending time with us. And be sure to join in next time to the Freedom Battle Buddies of Color podcast.